Welcome to Call Jeshurun, a podcast from Congregation B'nai Jeshurun, a vibrant and flourishing Reformed Jewish community in Short Hills, New Jersey. Welcome. I am Rabbi Matthew Gewertz. Call Jeshurun is where you can come to engage with teachings of relevant wisdom and music. You will hear from our clergy, staff, and guest speakers who will help bring meaning into a world that so badly needs it. If you would like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at tbj.org. I was thinking back, and if you listen to a, a sermon I gave a week and a half ago, I was thinking back because the one-year commemoration is coming up. And by the way, uh, do join us on March the 12th. We're having a service of commemoration specifically to mark the one-year commemoration of COVID coming at least to our community, our congregation. But what I was thinking back to is that the last normal thing that I did in the old normal was uh, a tradition that I try to keep with my kids every spring since they were pretty young, where I'll show up at school one day, tell the office, don't tell anyone, uh, that my kid has to go to the doctor. And I swoop them out of school and take him into town and go see a Broadway show. And uh, so Talia was the last one to get that. And we have a, a dear friend in town who's a Broadway actor and he was in Beetlejuice. That's what we chose to see. And it was a lot of fun. And we then went and saw him. He took us backstage. And uh, then we got on to the subway and I was holding the handles and the bar in the subway and all the things we would never, ever think of doing right now. Went to Wolfgang's and took her out for a steak. And that was probably the last time I was in the city until, I don't know, a few months ago, but I've only been in a couple of times since. And uh, what seemed so normal was, was just taken out of our hands so quickly. And now that we're almost in this for a year, I think we forget uh, what life used to be like. And uh, I then went on to talk about the fact that um, I had a huge argument with our senior team because most of them thought that we should cancel the Purim Carnival. And I thought, how could you cancel the Purim Carnival? That's, that's ludicrous. And they all said, you know that the Purim Carnival is full of these, remember these, the giant blopes that we have and the kids go sliding down with a little water. But I just didn't realize that. I don't think any of us uh, realized what was going to be. That Friday night, we told everyone they couldn't come to services except for two families. One who had just had a loss and so badly wanted to say Kaddish. And then past president, whose son was to get married two weeks later. And we have what's called an ufraf, a call up for a blessing. And that was it. It was the first time that I'd ever remembered preaching basically to an empty sanctuary And I went home that night and we even were still, I think it was Rabbi Sternberg who came over for dinner. We still thought it was okay to do that if we were socially distanced, which really wasn't. And uh, Lauren said to me, don't get down. You need to figure out in 48 hours how you're going to remake the synagogue. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, I don't know, Monday morning, go to the sanctuary and tape something out to the congregation. And uh, sure enough, we had this thing called Boker Tov where we came to you out of this sanctuary. And for the whole year after that, uh, everything has changed. We have, unless it was a Jewish holiday, we have come to you five days a week for now 11 and a half months, every single morning with a new idea, a new meditation, a prayerful moment. You know, Rabbi Perlman asked me about 10 months ago, how long do you think it would have taken us if we had the idea of a virtual synagogue? 
And I said, oh, in the old days, 18 months. We would have talked color scheme. We would have talked, you know, process. We would have talked about language. We would have talked about background. But the truth is, is we did it in 48 hours. And in some ways, we had a lot of work to do on something that was brand new. On the other hand, what we learned was that sometimes the temple process and the, the, the typical way the cycle goes, you, you go to this committee and you take it to that committee and then you take it to the budget committee and then you take it to the board. We all remember how long that took to get things done. We've learned that you could do things really, really well and be really efficient and be really expedient um, at the same time. What we added to that besides the morning meditations were what used to be called adult ed, but now we call panels where we bring together all kinds of experts. We brought together doctors, we brought together lawyers, we brought together financial experts, some of them are on the screen. We brought together sports reporters, everyone from our congregation that has something to offer in public said, I'm here and I'm in. And I will tell you again that we have reached thousands of thousands of people in different plays um, as we've gone along all year. And the whole notion of what it means to educate a congregation has absolutely changed. The other things that we've learned about are things that have always been important, but sometimes you, you lose sight of. What do I mean by that? One of the things that we decided we had to do, we've called now four times every single member of the congregation. And why did we do that? A, we were really worried. We wanted to see how you were doing and how everyone is handling isolation, especially for those of you who are alone alone, meaning not a partner in the house. And we also wanted to sort of find out what you were doing to make do. But what we found out along the way was just how much it meant to people to hear our voices on the other end. And I don't mean we had many people who were members on behalf of all of us calling other members and how much that meant to them. I, I was thinking earlier, I had two Seton Hall prep kids who needed to do a paper on Jewish theology in a temple. I ended up having such an incredible time with them. And they had all these really, really deep questions. But one of them, they asked me what I thought about the Pope. And I said, you know, I've actually really, really respected and admired this Pope from afar. Obviously, I don't know him. And they said, why? And I said, because he reminded us about what it means to be a parish priest. Do you remember when he first uh, got appointed or got elected? And the first week, he went every day to the cafeteria, had lunch with the Vatican workers. I don't know if you remember that. And I thought that was just so extraordinary because obviously he has the trappings of anything and everything he wants. But he said, a real priest goes and hangs out with real people. And by the way, I'll tell you that I have since had lunch with the Cardinal in Newark, Joe Tobin, who was appointed by the, uh, by the uh, Pope. And I literally practiced before I went there, making sure I knew the proper name to call him. And I mean, you've never seen a Jewish kid so nervous about meeting the Cardinal, but I wanted to get it right. And suddenly I feel a hand on my shoulder, this big, strong hand and I look turned around and there's this giant, strong man that says, hello, brother, Joe Tobin here, wearing no vestments, just a regular priest collar. And uh, this, this guy, he, he goes on to tell me that he was a bouncer in college at a bar, which is how he worked his way through college and then, and then a theo theological school. But the point is, is that these guys are regular guys. And what I can't forget, and none of us can forget, is that so are we and all people want, no matter their station, no matter their sense of level of success in life, is still to be seen, still to be heard, still to be reached out to. And that, we had a real reminder of how important that's been this year. And now, Cantor Howard Stahl, Cantor Emeritus of TBJ, offers his reflections. 
last January, we had heard that there was this virus. And I remember wiping the tables down on the plane, thinking not much about it. And then we went to APAC, a bunch of us in Washington with 20,000 of our uh, fellow uh, Jews, and thought, well, maybe we should use a little hand sanitizer, but we never imagined. And then the week after my grand, one of my grandson's bris, we locked down. For almost a year now, we have been navigating this new normal. And I believe it was just about a year ago that we began our daily Boker Tobe. And, and then we were locked down. So I remember the sense of anxiety and uncertainty we all felt. This was something we had never seen. And I remember talking to my mother-in-law, uh, and she asked me, did my parents or grandparents ever talk about the great flu of 1918? I said, well, my parents weren't born yet, but my grandparents were, and they never said a word about it, never heard a word about that. And so I wonder if our grandchildren or great-grandchildren will be able to say something about this great pandemic. I think so, because in many ways, um, we are transformed to communicate in a different way that no one anticipated. We're teaching on Zoom. We're communicating with our congregations. We're meeting Zoom. We do services on Zoom. How many of us ever heard of Zoom up until a year ago? And one of the things that I've been preaching about for a year to anyone who'll listen is what I call the four Ps. The four Ps. Prudence, perseverance, patience, and positivity. That is what has been my mantra for the past year. Prudence, to be very careful and think about what we're doing, not to take unusual risks. Perseverance, to be able to endure what, in many ways, is extraordinarily challenging. Patience, because as they say in Hebrew, this too will pass, and positivity. Positivity doesn't necessarily mean happiness. It means keeping an attitude that keeps us going. And how many times in the past, if we had two hours, I would give you a history lesson about positivity sustaining us. I will tell you about this, that on Passover, which is coming up quickly, we sing at the end of our Seder a song called Chad Gadja, a silly little song. The text was written probably in the 16th century. And it tells the story about this little goat, this Chad Gadja, this one little kid. And the father bought for two zuzi. And then it says, then the cat ate the goat. And then it said, the dog bit the cat. And then it says, the stick beat the dog. And it says, the fire burned the stick. And then the water put out the fire. And then the ox drank the water. And then the slaughterer killed the ox. And then the angel of death uh, uh, killed the slaughterer. And then in the end, what happened? A kadosh baruch God saves everything and redeems everything. And so it's an allegory because it reminds us of our historic times where, for example, we have been persecuted. So the, they tell us that the cat was Assyria, which conquered us in 721 before the common era. The dog was Babylon, which conquered us in 586. And then Persia was the stick, which conquered Babylonia, and then Macedonia conquered Persia, and then the Roman Empire conquered Macedonia, and then the Saracens conquered the Roman Empire, and then the Crusaders conquered the Saracens, and then the Turks conquered the Crusaders, and in the end, God brought us to Israel. And they say that the two Zuzim are either the two tablets of the commandment or Moses and Aaron. And in the end, what happens? Redemption takes place. So 
all through history where we have been attacked and persecuted, whether it's by plague, whether it's by persecution, somehow in the end, redemption takes place. So by channeling up prudence and perseverance and patience and positivity, then in the end, we will come out of this intact and whole and perhaps even better. Perhaps some of these challenges taught us a great deal and we've learned from them. In moments like this where anxiety threatens to take hold of us and make us feel that we have to focus on what we've lost, I say focus on what we've gained. How much have we gained as a result of this in terms of human connection, in terms of appreciation of things that we never, ever thought about before that we took for granted? So I would not want to had to go through this and certainly and learn this the hard way, but it reminds us that the human spirit is stronger than any plague, any pandemic, or any disease. Thank you for listening to this edition of Call Jeshurun. If you would like to learn more, visit our website at tbj.org and follow us on social media for updates on all our upcoming opportunities for engagement. We really hope to see you soon.